Hello and welcome to the Regen Agri podcast, the go-to place to hear everything about regenerative agriculture. Regen Agri is an initiative supporting farms, agribusinesses and the supply chain in their transition to regenerative approaches. We offer global capability with the aim of securing the health of the land and the wealth of those who live on it. For more information about our initiative and to find out how we can help you with your regenerative journey, please visit regenagri.org. I'm your host, Rose Riley, and once again, I'm excited to bring you the latest developments in the global phenomenon that is regenerative agriculture. In this episode, we'll be exploring how using pioneering pollinator data can inform regenerative practices, improve biodiversity and reduce environmental impact. To share insights on this topic, I'm joined by Michael Van Kutzen, co-founder of Biodiversity, a consultancy business providing measurement tools, advice and nature-based solutions to aid restoring biodiversity and reduce pollutants in the environment. I'm so interested to learn more about biodiversity's research and how studying bees and the pollen that they collect can paint a picture of any environment, be that agricultural or industrial, and indicate where practical changes and improvements can be made to benefit the environment. So welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me on the Region Agri podcast. Thank you. Hello. So before we delve into biodiversity's innovative research using data collected from bees and its environmental benefits, tell us a bit more about you and your background. Well, yeah, I, I was a lawyer um, at first, um, and then I went into a real estate development. And at one point, I didn't really see the purpose of my professional life. So I went backpacking in South America and saw that people were suffering from climate change and from environmental issues. And so when I came back, I decided I had to go that way. And so I started coaching companies and then I met uh, my associate called Bakim Nguyen, who is a scientist working on the bee decline issue. And so that's how we created biodiversity 10 years ago. Fantastic. And bee numbers and species are in severe decline. And we know that this is a, an issue. So why are bees so important for the environment and what's contributed to their demise over the years? Well, bees are important because more or less 70% of what we eat directly depends on pollination, including via bees. And so you have domestic bees, but you have also thousands of solitary bees that pollinate. So without these bees and pollinators, we would not have fruits, vegetables, and a lot of the food we need. So that's the first point. Um, and then, of course, they pollinate for flowers and other aspects, uh, which are very important. And so they render services like globally biodiversity render what we call ecosystem services um, that we all rely on in our day-to-day -day life. So that's why they're very important. And regarding their decline, it's due to several causes. So the first one is the lack of biodiversity. So of course they need food, they need plants, they need nectar, they need pollen. And because of land use, because of agriculture, because of real estate development, etc., we have less and less plant diversity. And so they don't have enough food nutrition support. And then you have diseases, of course. Uh, they're attacked by more and more diseases or pests. And then you have pollutants such as pesticides or agricultural pollution that can impact uh, bees as well. So those are the three main factors uh, that have an impact on their decline today. And on average, we consider in Europe more or less a 30% decline per year uh, of bee colonies, whereas uh, 10, 20 years ago, it was more around 10%, which was considered as reasonable. So it's increasing uh, in, the, in the last years. So how did you come up with the idea of using bees as a sampling force and uh, creating the organization? 
Well, actually, it's my associate, so called Bakim Nguyen, who is a scientist. So he worked during years on uh, research with regard to bees, biodiversity, uh, new ways of doing sustainable agriculture and so on for the main university in Belgium. He did a PhD on the bee decline issue. And he's one of the first scientists, so more than 10 years ago, who came with the vision saying that, okay, the decline of the bees is not only due to pesticides, but it's mainly due to a lack of biodiversity and to other factors. And so he's the one of the re- really first ones who came up with this theory, which actually today proved to be right. And one of the solutions he had developed to come up with this conclusion is what we now call the biomonitoring. So which is this solution that enables to you know, monitor the environment through the analysis of the pollen. And so by doing that, he saw, okay, how many pesticides do you have in the area? How is my bee colony going? Knowing how many pesticides I have or knowing what kind of plant species I have in the environment and so on. And he realized through a lot of studies using that solution that the lack of plant species and the diversity of plant species was impacting the most the the state of the bee colonies, besides, of course, diseases, uh, pollutants, and so on. That's how he developed this solution during his PhD. And we simply kind of took over his idea. And so we met this water producer who was managing more than 13,000 hectares of land to produce water. And he told us we're protecting this area since more than 50 years. And I drink this water. And I told him, well, it's strange that I never heard that, uh, you know, everything you do to protect this area. And he told us, well, yeah, the issue is that we don't have any tool or solution to monitor 13,000 hectares of land, which is huge, of course, and to have proper data regarding biodiversity, regarding pesticides and so on. And at that point, I looked at my colleague and I told him, well, that's what you developed with bees during your PhD. And so we took his idea and kind of remodeled it, redesigned it to be able to really scale in different countries, different areas for different purposes. And what's the the financial model for biodiversity and who are the clients that that benefited and support it? Well, the clients, 80% of our clients are companies. So big companies that need to reduce their impact uh, or that need to prove that they have a positive impact, especially now with new European regulation, new standards on biodiversity. And then we have 20%, 20-30%, which are cities. In the companies, we see two different kind of categories. We see those that have a real land use impact. So that's where you have mining industries, real estate companies, uh, all those that really are agriculture, of course, use a lot of land and that have to reduce their impact or go into a net positive impact. And for that, they need metrics, they need advice, and they need solutions to, of course, regenerate local biodiversity. And then we see all those that directly depend on biodiversity. So you have water, of course, they're impacted by pesticides that can harm their water and create a real risk. They need biodiversity as well. You have a food industry, of course, that directly depends on soil biodiversity, on crops. You have textile that depends on soil, crops, and so on. And so 
they also need data on biodiversity, on the, the crop ecosystem, but also on the soil biodiversity. And so we use, for example, eDNA techniques to have a state of the quality of the soil in terms of biodiversity, which is very important with regard to regenerative agriculture. And so those are the kind of clients we work with. And for the solution I talked about called the biomonitoring, it's a bit like, you know, sensors uh, calculating energy in a building. So you pay a fee for the sensors that are placed in the building, and then you have a software providing you with all the metrics, and you pay a license fee to use and to obtain the data. And so it's the same kind of business model. So our clients pay an annual lump sum fee for the management of the hardware, which are the bees on site, and for the, the, the license uh, to obtain the data. And then after that, of course, we advise them. So that goes more into consultancy. We advise them on what can be done on their site to improve uh, the state of the environment and reduce any risk uh, they might have. And besides that, we also help companies more at a strategic level to define proper KPIs for biodiversity, change agriculture, uh, and so on. And uh, we provide softwares as well as mentioned, and so that's based on the license fee. Fantastic. It sounds like a really innovative approach. It is. It's been considered, at least, as a very innovative approach by Solar Impulse, for example, or Ashoka, that demonstrates that we have a very large impact. So this biomonitoring solution today is used in more than 20 countries in Europe, Africa, U.S., and so it's it's more than 100,000 hectares of land that are positively impacted with a real change. And on average, we see that when the clients start acting, uh, we increase local biodiversity by 200, 300, 400%. And we reduce the use of pesticides by probably 300 to 400% as well. And it's important because we still find Pesticides in Europe that are banned since years, for example, we find pesticides that are above European thresholds. Um, so it's really important to raise awareness and to help local farmers and other actors uh, that use those pesticides, for example, to take the right direction uh, for the future. So tell us about your vision for regenerating biodiversity and why this is important and how bees can actually help within that process. Well, again, we all need biodiversity and we rely on it. It's our food, it's our soil, it's our climate regulation, water regulation and so on. So we all need this biodiversity and we sometimes forget uh, that aspect. And so what we do is we try to regenerate a whole ecosystem around flowers, pollination, birds and so on. And bees are, of course, very important to pollinate. But we also realized that they could be tremendous bioindicators. And actually, we see bees as little natural drones. Why is that? It's because they're able to cover very large areas. So they go up to 1.5 kilometers to feed themselves on average. So they cover circular surface of 700 hectares, which is huge. And on this surface, they're going to visit billions of flowers. And they take a little bit of the pollen out of these flowers and that they bring back in their beehive because they need that pollen to feed themselves. So we collect a little bit of this pollen on a daily basis. And the tremendous part with pollen is that it contains the DNA of the plants and it captures air and soil pollution. So through the analysis of this pollen, 
we can see really what is the state of the environment. So what kind of plant species do you have? What quantity, what quality of these plant species for the whole ecosystem, pollination and so on. But you can also see what kind of pollution, so agricultural pollution, industrial pollution, and see the impact it can have on human health, on soil, on water, on crops and so on. So bees have an impact for pollination, but besides that, that can be used also for you know, to help our own lives and, and to help uh, the environment globally uh, through innovative solutions. Amazing, thank you. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the process of collecting the data from the bees? Yeah, so as mentioned, so they, they collect uh, the pollen. So they're kind of a huge sampling force. Um, it's impossible for us as humans, of course, to collect as many samples on such a large surface. And there's no technology that enables that today. So the bees are the best technology to sample these pollens. And so what we do, we develop some methodology, uh, lab methodology, and we analyze the pollen and we go see what kind of DNA you find in this pollen. So through this analysis, we see the quantity of pollen per period, the kind of pollen, do you have a lot of an ornamental species or are those local species interesting? Do you have invasive species? So we can really tell you what is the state of plant species months by months and see what is is it you know is it positive for local pollination is it do you have some lack of biodiversity at certain moments of the year that can impact uh, pollinators birds and so on so that's on one side and then we can look at pollution and so we see really what kind of pesticides you find for example in the environment what concentration so what level and we can trace the origin of these pesticides uh, with our other solutions so that we can tell you, okay, these pesticides come from local farmers uh, cultivating potatoes, for example, and then we can really raise awareness and help them to change. And so to reduce the impact of these pollutants on human health, water, soil, uh, their own crops, of course, as well. That's really interesting. Could you give some more examples of the types of organizations that use the data that you're collecting and, and how they're using it? Yeah, of course, we're working a lot with the food ecosystem, I would say. So we have companies, corporates like AB and Bev in South Africa that use the, these solutions to monitor uh, local agricultural practices and go more into regenerative and sustainable practices to raise awareness also towards local communities uh, and to regenerate local biodiversity. So planting flower meadows, reducing the use of pesticides and so on. We have a nice project uh, that has a lot of impact in north of Belgium with a city called Knokkeest, where we monitored the whole city and the suburban areas. And we realized that there were three main issues. Pollutants coming from a port, um, so heavy metals. And so the port seeing those pollutants could change their practices and reduce those emissions. There was a lack of biodiversity in the whole city and the suburban areas. And so we increased the amount of plant species by 400% within three years time. So you find pollinators there, you didn't find any more in Belgium and so on. So it had a huge impact and it involved the whole community of citizens, farmers and so on. And then we noticed that there were pesticides that were at a very high level that could impact soil, water and so on. And so we shared that data to local farmers who told us, actually, we know we use the pesticides, but we don't know to what extent we still find them in the environment and how they can still impact our own soil, our health, our water, and so on. And so by sharing this data, 
and some advice on what they could do to change their practices. Well, we got a whole community of farmers to really change and to go more into uh, regenerative agriculture or sustainable agriculture. And then we work with a lot of different actors. So industries that have uh, an impact on pollution or mining industries that have a land use impact, real estate, cities, of course. And the nice thing is that there's always farmers or very often farmers in the area that is monitored, even though it's an industry or a real estate project, you very often have farmers. And so the clients are happy to share the data to the local farmers or to the local municipalities to really help them also in this kind of transition journey and in, in going into sustainable agriculture. So it becomes a kind of um, win-win projects uh, for the industries and local farmers or local communities. So could you let us know with this project what changes the farmers have put in place to actually help create regeneration? Yeah, so we realised first who were the farmers that were using the pesticides that presented the most risk. So we found pesticides that were banned in Europe and we found pesticides that were used at a very high level. And so we went to them, the first thing, to show them and to share the results without criticizing them, of course. And we told them, look, these are the results and this is what's going to happen. It's going to impact your health. It's going to impact your soil. It's going to impact your crops in the future and so on. And so first, we kind of gathered them in, in a project. And then we told them, you can have also financial benefits from working into, you know, going to a transition. And we told them the idea is not to become organic from one day to the other, because that's complicated. It requires a lot of investments, but you can start with small actions. For example, these pesticides that you use, you could apply them in the evening. Start by that, you know, apply them in the evening when the bees are inside, let's say, uh, not flying anymore, birds are also elsewhere. And you apply them late in the evening so that at least they don't have any impact. And then you can apply them at very specific moments of the year, you know, do it more in a more reasonable way. So apply them more in a focused way at specific moments. And so we advise them on, okay, when do you have to apply them and how to apply them more in a, in a very focused way. And then we also advise them on other techniques such as more manual techniques. So, uh, for example, there were some pesticides linked to the production of apples. And, you know, they were spraying these pesticides because they could not go through the, the apple fields with their, with their equipment and take, you know, the old apples, which kind of uh, are on, on, on the ground and that attract parasites and things like that. And so they just spray pesticides. And so we, we told them, okay, you can just... Put a bit more distance between your trees, add local species that are really used to this environment and so on, and go into a bit more manual uh, work uh, to reduce the use of these pesticides and the negative impact of leaving those, those old apples uh, on the ground and so on. And so by changing, you know, those going to different steps, so starting with small steps and then going into a bit more manual and, and then products that have much less impact, it completely changed the way the, the farmers were producing their crops. And so in that case, we reduced the amount of pesticides by more than uh, 400%. And the pesticides that were 
presenting an issue in terms of level, you know, were then used at a very reasonable level. So we didn't find them anymore, or we found them just at a trace level. So it means that, yes, they are in the environment, but at a very low level. Of course, we would all love uh, not to see any pesticides anymore, but sometimes it's it's complicated for local farmers. So at least they were using them at a very reasonable level. So that's how we got them to change. Um, and it's been in place since three years now. And then those that started with the change are now training the other local farmers in the area so that it really becomes a community project and it has an impact beyond what we uh, started uh, more than three years ago. Do you find that the farmers are generally quite receptive to the information that you've got and open to making changes? Yeah, that's that was one of the very positive lessons we had is that when we come, if we come to them and say, you have to change your practices and so on, it's not a proper way, it never worked. We tried that before, it didn't work. But with, when we come with data, coming from bees, which is a kind of friendly animal, and it's directly linked sometimes to their own crops because of pollination and so on. And so if we come saying, we're just coming with the information that the bees collected on your field. So the bees are impacted, but the crops are impacted and so on. And then they're very open. And what we have as a feedback quite often is we know we use the products, but we don't have any solution to tell us to what extent we negatively impact the environment or to what extent we positively impact the environment. Because sometimes, you know, their crops and so on have a positive impact on biodiversity. And so having this data enables them really to be much more sustainable in their practices and to see exactly what they have to do and then to see the benefits. So we have projects where each year the farmers tell us where are their results because we change things at the beginning of the year and we want to see what was the impact, you know, how it increased in terms of plant species or in terms of pollination and so on. It becomes a kind of a gamification, you know, they, they really like to receive the results and to see how they had impact. Farmers at the end of the day, they just want to produce crops in a sustainable and qualitative way. So once you come up with this kind of data and, you know, advice that is financially sustainable as well, they're uh, normally happy to, to change and to go into a, a bit of transition. Fantastic. And are you seeing an impact on bee populations in the area where you've been monitoring this data? Yeah, it's a good question. We do. So on average, I told you, uh, the bee decline is around 30%. So it means that 30% of the bee colonies disappear. And on our projects, we have less than 10%. So we're around 7% on average. And we see indeed that whenever we identify issues and that local communities or the clients start working on the topic, so replanting, changing the way they manage their uh, land, reducing the use of uh, pollutants, then we see again an increase in terms of plant species, but in terms of pollinators, of course, our own bees go better, but then we see solitary bees coming back, we see birds coming back and so on. So we really see a net gain in terms of biodiversity uh, after two, three years. That's amazing. Have you had any examples where um, human health has been impacted by the, the benefits of your work? Yeah, we we did. So we um, we noticed more or less seven, eight years ago that 
in Belgium, one region uh, was impacted in terms of pollution because the rates of cancer for children was much higher than in other regions in Belgium. And so we had the feeling it was linked to a company. And so we placed the beehive near the company and we monitored during two years. And we realized that the level of pollution was sometimes 400 times higher than the worst sites we were monitoring and higher than European concentration level. And these pollutants could explain uh, this, this impact. And so we shared the data to the company. Uh, we didn't try to do a buzz. We went to the company, we shared the data and said, hey, are you aware of that? And they realized that they had data on their own site, but they didn't have the data on the 700 hectares. Mm. And so they took some... Um, you know, some actions to reduce uh, these emissions. And so uh, they've reduced those emissions uh, drastically in the last years. That's absolutely incredible. Could you tell us about the most interesting or innovative use of the data that you've seen from one of your clients? Um, that's a very good question. Some of them, so of course, change. We have, for example, recycling plants that always monitored with their sensors, you know, their pipe and their emissions uh, at a pipe level. And then we came up with results showing that there were still a lot of heavy metals. And they realized that they were not storing the ashes, you know, after the recycling correctly. And so with the wind and so on, everything was again in the air. And so, and so they changed their whole process thanks to this data. And they were not aware they were having a negative impact. We see a lot of industries that really change their process based on the data we give. And then you have companies like water companies that really use this data to engage local communities. So uh, we're working with companies like Danone, Nestle, and so on. And they share the data to local farmers to help local farmers to you know, uh, cultivate their crops in a sustainable way. They share that to local municipalities so that they can manage green areas in a proper way. So it, it becomes a whole community project. And those, those are the projects I like the most. It's when the clients start sharing the data because then you have a real leverage effect on the impact. You can have thousands of citizens that are involved. You can have schools that receive the data and then you know seeds to plant at home. You can have scientists coming on the side to see what kind of new pollinators you have. Those are really the project that we like the most. We also have projects, for example, in the US in natural reserves where we identified invasive species that local ecologists had not seen. And so it's so precise that we could identify it. And it's very important because if you eradicate the invasive species soon enough, then you can manage that. So you want to make this data accessible more broadly. What steps are you taking to achieve that, to make this data more universally usable? Yeah, it's true, because we see, you know, once the people have the data, they're first surprised sometimes, they're very interested, and it really facilitates proper actions. So it gets them to act for regenerative agriculture or other topics. Of course, it's not easy to place bees everywhere in the world. So we need to make this data uh, available at a lower cost and sometimes in an easier manner. And so we're developing for the moment softwares uh, based on artificial intelligence that use our own data and satellite images so that we can 
kind of provide the same assessments. So risk assessments in terms of biodiversity, in terms of presence of pesticides, without even having to place sensors on sites or bees or whatever. So you upload as many sites as you want, and we will tell you which sites represent a risk for biodiversity, for pesticides, uh, what kind of pesticides you can find in that area, how they can impact local biodiversity or other aspects like water. So it's providing data at a much lower cost by using and kind of extrapolating the data we have since more than 10 years in more than 20 countries. Fantastic, thank you. What one piece of advice would you give to businesses aiming to be more regenerative and interested in using the data that you have to do so? Well, the the first thing is that they have to be aware that it's gonna become an obligation. Um, so Europe and UK are probably a bit more advanced than in other areas, but it's a real trend, a worldwide trend where corporates are going to have first to assess their impact and dependencies on biodiversity. So that's the first thing. And for that, they need data. And yeah. so they need to define their proper KPIs, understand what is their relation with biodiversity what are the causes of decline of biodiversity? You know, the five causes are land use, extraction of resources, climate change, pollution, and invasive species. So they have to understand, with regard to those five causes, what is their impact? And for that, they need solutions, of course, to measure the impact. So that's very important. And then they have to change. They can take actions on their sites. That's the first thing. And it's a bit different with climate change. You know, climate change is totally global, whereas biodiversity is, is very local. So the nice part about biodiversity is if you act on your site, you're going to see the change. And so you can, you know, engage local employees, you can engage other stakeholders. So that's the nice part with biodiversity. You really see the change. So I really invite them to act on their own site. So and acting on a site means, for example, planting or uh, placing a you know, uh, systems to attract birds, uh, to host birds, planting and, and, and uh, installing equipment is interesting or changing the way you manage your site. It's fairly easy to do and you really see a change. They probably have to think about their business model and see how they can change a bit the business model, go into more circular economy or other aspects to reduce any impact on biodiversity. But they can already start by acting on their own sites. And that's, that's a good first step, I would say. Thank you. So how can people stay up to date and follow your biodiversity mission? We have a website, so biodiversity.com. So that's probably the easiest. We're quite active on LinkedIn. And we're always very happy to provide some information uh, for those who are interested. And we, you know, we participate to a lot of events in different countries to share our, our data, our knowledge. People can just call us or send us an email and we're always happy to, uh, to exchange. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been amazing hearing about your bee sampling force and biodiversity's work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for the Region Agri podcast today. 
To learn more about what we've talked about in this episode, please find the relevant links in the show notes. If you would like to know more about how the Regen Agri Initiative can help you on your regenerative journey from advisory services, monitoring of on-farm data and regenerative certification through to carbon verification, please visit regenagri.org. You can also check out our case studies and articles and gain access to our digital hub for free insights and advice. Alternatively, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at regenagri underscore org or search for regenagri on LinkedIn.